This is Jeff Orge. Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. I'm president of Gateway Seminary, and it's my pleasure to talk to you today about ministry leadership issues and how we can be more effective in our work in leading God's kingdom. Today, I'm finishing up a three-part podcast on God's call. In the first session, we defined God's call and talked about three types of call experiences described in the Bible. Those are a universal call to Christian service and growth, a general call to ministry leadership, and a specific call to a ministry assignment. And then last week, we followed up with three ways God calls, a sudden experience, reason, decision, and the prompting of others. And as God works through these different ways of calling us, sometimes, as I said, these have soft edges. They can blend together and work together, but God has uh, at least three ways of communicating to us and of getting information to us about the call that he has on our lives. Now, these uh, studies uh, give us categories, but then uh, we have to work more carefully to discern how God is working through those categories personally with us. And so today, I'd like to talk about discerning God's call. In other words, what are some discernment points, if you will, are some ways to know uh, if God is calling you, and if so, how he may be calling you. Uh, I've created an illustration, I think, that helps with this, and that is the illustration of a constellation. Yes, I want to talk to you about astronomy, uh, not astrology. Let's get that straight. But I want to talk with you about astronomy. A constellation is a, uh, a, an imaginary uh, picture of stars that you lay awake at night on a warm summer night in your backyard, look up and see. You see uh, the Big Dipper or Orion, the warrior. Uh, you see these things and, and you imagine them because you can see how they sort of fit together to form a picture of something that you see in the night sky. Uh, that's a constellation. And so when I talk about discerning God's call, I, I'm not talking necessarily about a checklist you have to work through where you have to get every one of these things right or God is not calling you. Instead, I'm thinking of it more in terms of a constellation where there are five points of light that are in the night sky. And as these five points of light uh, come together in our lives, they, they form a picture for us or they bring clarity for us about the issue of God's call. Now, as I talk about these five points of light or these five aspects on the constellation, it's also important to know that they don't all five have to be equal to reveal God's call. Uh, in some cases, one or the other of them might glow much more brightly, but I think as all five of them come into focus, we can be more confident that God really is calling us. So let's talk about these five discernment points or these five aspects of discerning God's call or these five stars on the constellation, if you will, and try to bring each one of them into focus a little more clearly to help us discern uh, God's call. Uh, the first discernment point is what I call inner peace. Inner peace. It is a sense of oughtness, a sense of rightness, a, a settledness down in your soul. It, it's something that you know in your heart. Uh, as I mentioned on one of the previous podcasts, uh, this material on God's call was first developed when I was invited to teach in a doctor of ministry seminar at our school. Uh, this was some years ago. I, I taught the material. It did not go well. 
the students poked holes in so much of what I had to say and forced me to go back and redo it and improve it significantly. The second time through, it was quite a bit better, but the third time through, uh, I finally felt like I was communicating, communicating something that really mattered, and the students responded to it uh, very favorably. And frankly, it was out of that uh, multi-year process of refining this material that my book, Is God Calling Me?, was finally written, and these presentations emerged. In the context of developing all of that, I kept trying to find a way to quantify God's call in such a, in such a, a clear, ironclad, uh, spreadsheet-type way that I could give a checklist or a, a set of principles or, or something that would just give a person a, a, an absolute certainty that God was calling them. But quite honestly, the more I studied what the Scripture had to say and the more I studied what experience had taught me, uh, it was not possible to do that. A call is something that is an inner experience. It's, it's a profound inner experience. It's something that you know deep down in your heart. It's something that you, you really know uh, kind of in your soul. And so don't misunderstand the, or, or diminish the importance of God's call being an inner experience or something that you know in your heart. And when I taught this to those doctoral students, I, I could see in their eyes that they all wanted a footnote. Uh, they, all, they all wanted it to be quantified. They all wanted it to be uh, de defined. They, they all wanted it to be so specific. And at the end of the presentation, I remember saying, as I'll say to you, ultimately a call is something that you simply know in your heart. And so don't diminish that. Uh, I've had many experiences here at the seminary where I will ask students about God's call and they will describe to me with, with deep emotion and even with tears how God has called them to China, or God has called them to church plant in Chicago, or God has called them to a, uh, an inner city care ministry in Los Angeles. And their, their, uh, their reasons don't all necessarily add up and, and the whole strategy of it doesn't always make sense, but they know deep down in their heart that God has called them. And so while there's other aspects of it that we're going to talk about, I don't want to diminish that one, that a call is a profound inner experience. It's something that you just simply know, become convinced of, and you really can't escape uh, as a sense of what God has developed inside you and an oughtness or a determination that he wants you to do. So the first star on our constellation is inner peace. The second one is confirmation by others. Now, um, in the previous podcast, I said that one of the ways God calls is by the community initiative or by the prompting of others. How is this different today? Well, it's different in that God calls by the means of prompting of others, but he confirms his call by others, and that's a discernment point. In other words, no matter how you may think God is calling you and to what God is calling you to do, you can go to other Christians and find confirmation from them in how he might be working in your life in this way. Now, let me give you some examples. First of all, obviously, you could go to spiritual leaders or mentors. Uh, you could go to other people and ask them, uh, other people that you respect, and ask them to help you sort through the call issues that you're experiencing. Uh, these spiritual leaders or guides or mentors might include pastors, uh, collegiate ministry leaders, uh, or even wise laypersons that you've come to know and trust over the years, people that you value their judgment, their insight, and their ability to know what, you, uh, to know what God wants many people to do and how they, they might be able to speak to you and into your life as well. So spiritual leaders, guides, or mentors are obviously one source of confirmation from others. But another one would be your family. And I would put in parentheses after those words, 
sometimes. Many people have the uh, privilege of strong Christian families that they can go to for counsel and information and uh, wisdom, and the family speaks to them and gives them the kind of uh, input that they need. But sadly, some Christian families uh, don't do this. I had one uh, very glaring example of this here at the seminary. I had a a student uh, who came to Gateway uh, with his wife preparing for international mission service. And when they arrived uh, and they were telling me their story, it was uh, sad to me that they were here at the seminary uh, in the face of a really vigorous opposition from his parents. When he graduated from the university, he had a degree in a science field, and his father had anticipated that he would go forward and use that as his career. Uh, when he declared instead that he was coming to seminary to prepare for missionary service, his father uh, said to him, uh, that's not for you. You need to come home uh, to our community, get a really good job, raise your family here so that our family can be together and enjoy uh, all that we're supposed to have as a family unit. Well, he said, Dad, you're, you're a deacon in a Baptist church. You, you've taught me in missions. You've sent me on mission trips. You've, uh, you've uh, supported our church's missionary endeavors. Our family has participated financially in all of these kinds of things. How can you now say to me that God is not calling me to missions? And his dad said, according to the student, these exact words, Son, that's for somebody else's children. Now, sadly, Christian families can sometimes be an impediment to following God's call. So it is important to seek confirmation from others, and you should involve your family in that decision, but don't make the wrong assumption that just because a family is Christian or your parents are Christians, that they automatically will be able to confirm God's call in your life or give you the right counsel if God is not calling you. Uh, Take them as one point of discernment, but not the final word. I also have some examples of non-Christian families that have been a part of confirming or discerning God's call as well. Uh, It worked this way somewhat for me. My uh, family was not really a Christian family. My mother was not a professing Christian until she was 60 years old. Uh, When I committed my life to ministry leadership, I wondered how my family would respond. But I went home that day from church and told my mother the decision I'd made. And she said, Jeff, I'm excited for you. I see this in you, and I think you'll be a good pastor. Now, that was striking to me and really a bit surprising to me because my mother, I didn't think, had any idea what pastors did. But, of course, um, she had more life experience than I realized, and she saw in me something that, uh, other, that I didn't even necessarily fully see in myself, but she saw it in me and encouraged me even though she wasn't really a follower of the Lord at that time. I have another friend that was in college. Uh, He felt that God was calling him to ministry leadership. He went home and told his father, who was not a Christian, and his dad said, well, if you want to do that, then uh, I'm not paying for your college. My friend was a little bit stunned by that, but said, well, Dad, if that's your decision, I I respect it, Uh, but I I believe God is calling me, and I'm I'm going to uh, commit my life to ministry leadership, and he did that. He came back to our college, got a job, uh, earned money, Uh, scrambled to find a way to pay for school and managed to do it. After that year, he went back home and told his dad uh, that that he had made it through a year, and they were talking about that. And his father said, well, uh, do you still believe God is calling you to be a ministry leader? And he said, yes, I do, Dad. And his dad said, well, and then I'll I'll start paying for your college again. He said, I didn't really believe you were serious about it. I I, I think, honestly, you're a little bit lazy. And and his dad said, "Um, pastors have to work hard. It's a tough life. 
and I didn't think you had what it takes to be one, but now you've showed me that you do, I'd like to help you to get there. Now, this was amazing because here was God using an unsaved father to bring a character flaw out of a man and to help him to prove something about his own uh, endurance and his own commitment that really is uh, germane and important for his call experience. And so I, I guess I'm using these illustrations to try to help you see that sometimes God uses Christian families to help us discern God's call, but sometimes not, and we have to be careful about that. And sometimes God uses non-Christian families to help us with the discernment process by either encouraging us based on their life experiences or challenging us based on their life experiences, and either way, helping us to sort out and clarify what God wants us to do. Another source of confirmation from others is your spouse uh, if you're married. Now, uh, it's very important that a person who believes God is calling them, particularly to ministry leadership, uh, have support uh, involvement and even sometimes uh, shared or compatibility in the call with their spouse. Uh, in fact, uh, there are at least three models that I've been able to identify that work well uh, in responding to God's call and dealing with that in the context of your marriage. Uh, first of all, sometimes a person responds to God's call and their spouse has the same call. I would describe that as a shared call experience. And often international missionaries have this, where they're uh, both committed to going uh, uh, cross-culturally. They're both committed to language learning. They're both committed to uh, evangelizing and discipling uh, as appropriate in those cultures. They're committed to doing the same things. They have a shared sense of call. Another model, though, is a compatible call. And that's where a husband and a wife um, have compatible understanding of God's call while they may not share the details of it specifically. My wife and I have this kind of relationship. We both feel a profound sense of call to ministry leadership. We've devoted our lives to that. But we don't do the same things. I find myself teaching, administrating, and uh, giving guidance to a large organization. My wife prefers uh, working more uh, closely with people to develop them personally through preschool consulting and children's ministry consulting and women's ministry consulting. Uh, she does some speaking, but she's much more comfortable with a small group of people that she's mentoring and guiding and trying to expand her ministry by developing leaders through those means. And so we work together to support each other in our compatible sense of call, uh, but we don't find ourselves doing the same things as we would if we had, for example, a shared sense of call. A third way of understanding this is what I would describe as a supportive sense of call. Um, I have a friend who's a pastor. His wife has this kind of response. Uh, she says, I never have felt that God has called me to be a ministry leader or to share in pastoral leadership as my husband does, but God has called me to support him in every way possible to make him successful as a pastor, and so therefore I do that. She actively participates in church. She teaches Sunday school. She sings in the worship band uh, or on the worship team. Uh, she's a very engaged and involved Christian, but she does not really see herself as doing that because she's called to be a pastor's wife. She sees herself doing that because she's called to be a committed Christian and she's married to a pastor, so therefore she wants to do everything she can to support him and make him as successful as possible. So these all, the, all three of these models work, shared, compatible, supportive, they all work. But here's the one that never works. I have never met a married couple where one person or the other said, God is calling me to ministry leadership, and the other person said, not me. I won't support that, I'm not compatible with it, and I certainly don't share it. 
When a person is resistant at any of those three levels and isn't willing to participate at all in the call experience, something has gone wrong in the relationship or something's gone wrong in the discernment of what God is really calling you to do. Marriage must be a part and your spouse uh, must be uh, help be a, a key po- point of discernment in determining if God is really calling you if you're married. So uh, confirmation by others. You can go to spiritual leaders, guides, and mentors. You can go to family members. You certainly must go to your spouse. These people can help you discern, is God really calling me? And help you sort out uh, the various issues that may be at play in determining uh, what God may be calling you to do. Well, here's a third uh, constellation point for us. A third point of discernment is effectiveness in ministry leadership, and particularly effective in ministry leadership as compared to your peers. Now, I speak a lot uh, to college students on the issue of call, and at this point, I often help them to understand this particular constellation point by reminding them that they're not to compare themselves to me or to someone who's been in ministry for 30, 35 years, but instead to compare themselves to their peers in determining their effectiveness. So, for example, don't listen to this podcast today and say, well, I'm not as good a preacher as my pastor or as good a teacher as my professor, and I'm not as good a writer as my favorite author, so therefore I must not be effective in ministry leadership. No, instead ask yourself, am I as effective as my peers, and do my peers look to me for leadership? And if that is the case, then perhaps you do have more effectiveness than you know. Uh, For example, If there was a youth service organized at your church while you were a teenager, were you the person that was always asked to speak or sing or pray or otherwise give leadership? Um, If you are a college student and your college ministry has dorm Bible studies and you're one of the people that's asked to lead a Bible study or to organize all the Bible studies, your peers look to you to give that kind of guidance, then that's a good evidence that you do have effectiveness in ministry among your peers. If you're that person uh, that your friends are always knocking on your door of your dorm room or your apartment and saying, hey, have you got a minute? I I really need to talk. They're always seeking you out for counsel, particularly about spiritual issues. Then you do have effectiveness uh, um, in ministry among your peers. How about this one? You're the one who's always asked to organize the ministry project. Uh, Your church is going to have a mission trip or your ministry organization is going to do a feeding project for the hungry in your community or in some way you're going to work to put together some kind of uh, ministry project and your family always, or excuse me, your ministry always turns to you and says, would you organize this? Would you put it together? Would you be the one uh, who makes this happen? Well, then you do have effectiveness among your peers. And so what I'm challenging you to do to think about this issue of effectiveness in ministry is not to compare yourself to uh, someone who's been doing this for years and years, but instead compare yourself to your peers. And if you're the person who's asked to speak, to pray, to lead the Bible study, organize the Bible studies, they, you're the person that people go to for counsel or to, or, uh, or to put together a ministry plan or a project, then you already are demonstrating effectiveness among your peers. Now, one reason this is a discernment point about God's call is because God calls people who will have effectiveness in leadership. God calls people who have not only potential, but who are already starting to demonstrate that potential and to make some kind of difference in in his world, in his kingdom. And so as you're discerning, is God calling me? Ask yourself, do you have this kind of effectiveness? And if you do, it's likely that God may be calling you to take leadership because you're already a person who's showing in some embryonic fashion, perhaps, the leadership potential that's needed to be a true ministry leader. So 
confirmation by others, inner peace, and effectiveness in your ministry. Those are three constellation points to consider. Now, a fourth one, and that is satisfaction or joy in ministry leadership. If God is calling you, he will call you to do something that you really long to do and that you really want to do. Now, you may have some resistance because of legitimate humility and uh, an unwillingness to put yourself forward or to be presumptive in doing what uh, you highly regard or to place yourself in a position that you think might be reserved for others. I get all that. But what I'm talking about here is not that kind of reluctance, but instead, in the context even of being reluctant in those ways, knowing that deep down in your heart, What gives you the greatest fulfillment and the greatest satisfaction is really the time that you're able to devote to ministry leadership. Uh, When I was considering the issue of God's call, I remember my pastor and other leaders saying to me, if you can do anything else and be happy, you should do it. But one of the ways you you can know that God is calling you is that nothing else really appeals. Now, I considered coaching, I considered teaching, I even considered becoming an attorney for a while. And while all of those things had some appeal to me, none of them, none of them had the appeal of being a pastor, a teacher, a preacher, a leader, of being an evangelist, of being a discipler, of being someone who was constantly working to advance God's kingdom. That gave me the greatest fulfillment. Even when I was in college, I had secular jobs, and one of them could have led to a good career, but the whole time I was doing that, all I could think of was this is just a means to make a paycheck to keep me, make me able to do what I really want to do, which is go to church and volunteer my time to be involved in ministry leadership. So in those contexts, it's important to ask yourself, what gives you the greatest joy? And that sense of joy and satisfaction is a good indicator that God is calling you to ministry leadership because it's the only thing that really, really deep down uh, gives you fulfillment. Uh, We had kind of a funny story about this happened in our family a number of years ago. My son, uh, my oldest son, is a very strong leader, very uh, capable leader. He's been recognized uh, all along through uh, through school uh, by being elected to class offices and other kinds of leadership roles. So naturally, when he went off to college, it wasn't a surprise to us that he took a leadership role in the church where he joined. And it wasn't very long after that that the pastor called him into his office and said, we'd like to offer you an internship at our church. It's an opportunity for a young person like you to investigate God's call and to get some first experience in ministry leadership, and we think you'd be great for it. And my son said, look, I've thought about this, and God's not calling me to ministry leadership, and so I'm going to pass on the opportunity of being an intern. You need to give that to someone else who really does need to check out that issue of God's call. So the pastor uh, thanked him, and my son left. Well, three weeks later, the pastor called him back in the office, and he said, "Uh, listen, you you really need to do this internship. We see leadership gifts in you. Uh, We believe God might be calling you to be a ministry leader. Uh, We think that this internship will help you to investigate that and and really find, find out if that's what God wants you to do. So my son called me, and he told me the story, and I said, well, son, you've turned them down. Uh, you, you've told them the truth. Now they've come back to you. Um, I, I don't see why you, you shouldn't just say yes. I mean, you're going to be serving in the church anyway. They're only asking you to keep doing what you're already doing, which is working in their junior high ministry. Uh, and they're going to give you uh, more leadership, more direction, more guidance, and give you a better taste of what ministry is all about. And frankly, son, they've offered to pay you, and you're a college student, and you need the money. 
So he said, well, okay, I guess that I will do it. So my son decided to take a six-month internship with this church. Well, uh, that internship started in the midsummer, and by Thanksgiving time, I was very excited to meet with him and find out just how the internship had been going. So he came home for Thanksgiving. We waited a whole day. He never said a word about it. Finally, I couldn't wait any longer. The second day, I said, hey, son, you, you really haven't mentioned anything about the internship. And he turned, looked at me very seriously and said, Dad, I'm so glad you brought that up because I really do need to talk to you about it. Well, I'm really ready to talk about this. I mean, after all, I'm teaching about it, writing about it, living it every day. I'm so excited because my son might be called into ministry leadership. I said, sure, son, let's, let's talk about it. And then he said this, Dad, here's my first question. How do you put up with all the whining? Well, I looked at him and said, what whining? And he smiled and said, Dad, that answer is the point. God called you to ministry leadership. And when he did that, he gave you an amazing capacity to work with people, and you don't even hear the whining. But ever since I got this internship, that's all I hear. I, all I hear is parents whining about what the church isn't doing, what the school's not doing, what the community's not doing, whining about what's wrong with their kids, what's wrong with the church, what's wrong with the community. All I hear is whining, and I'm frankly fed up with it. These people just need to do their job and stop blaming everybody else for their own shortcomings. I said, well, son, I, I understand your, your perspective on that, but really that, that's, not, that's not how you're going to make any real difference in their lives with that, with that kind of an attitude. He goes, I know exactly, and that's why God's not calling me to be a ministry leader. And when this internship is over, I'm going to give it up. I'm going to go back to working in the, in the junior high ministry just like I was before, and I'm going to continue my pursuit of my professional career that I know God has really called me to do, and I'm going to be a, an active, supportive church member the rest of my life and help my pastor be as successful as possible. But I've learned through this experience that I'm really, not called because I can't put up with all the nonsensical whining that goes with being in the job. Well, uh, we laughed about it later, and we still laugh about it today because it really was a, 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 a key pivotal moment in my son's life when he was able to discern and really finalize what he really already knew, that God was not calling him to ministry leadership because he got no joy at all from the burdens that came with the responsibility. Well, finally, Another constellation point, a discernment point to consider is that you have realistic expectations or right reasons for a life of ministry leadership. You know, sometimes people think God is calling them when what they're really trying to do is solve a spiritual problem or a spiritual dilemma by making a commitment that really isn't going to fix their problem. For example, some people say, well, I feel bad about myself. I have low self-esteem. I I think if I became a ministry leader and, 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 and responded to God's call, it would fix all those inadequacies I feel about myself. Or some people say, well, you know, I'm not very popular. I, I'm not very well-liked or well-known. But if I became a ministry leader, uh, that's a position of prestige and honor, and people would like me and value me and look up to me, and, and, and I would be more popular and fit in better. Well, that, that's not a good reason either. And then sometimes people say, well, if God would, if I could respond to God's call and commit myself to ministry leadership, I would, I would gain God's approval. He'd love me more. Uh, I'd be more special to him. Well, of course that's not true. God loves you entirely just like you are. Nothing you can do for him will ever cause him to get, get, give you more approval than you already have. Some people say, well, 
I believe God is calling me and I want to respond because it would please my family. It would make my grandmother happy. She's been praying for this since I was a little boy. Or it'd make my parents proud because they've always valued the ministry and people who were involved in it. And I would really gain stature in my family if I made this kind of commitment. Well, you may gain stature in your family, but you may be frustrated and and disappointed in your life if it's not what God really wants you to do. You know, all of these are wrong reasons for going into ministry leadership. And, and, and really, there's, there's one more that comes to mind, and that is sometimes people say, well, if I commit my life to ministry leadership, some of my personal sin struggles will go away. I won't struggle as much with adultery or with lust or with, with pornography. I, I won't struggle as much with, uh, uh, with, with greed or with possessions or with materialism. You know, it's easy to think that if you make a commitment to ministry leadership, these problems will go away, but the actual opposite is true. Uh, the devil hates ministry leaders, and he continues to bring all these temptations to bear against ministry leaders, sometimes in even greater ways than before their commitment to their calling. So there's a lot of wrong reasons that you might think you should respond to God's call. There's really only one right reason, and that is to love God and love people. If you say, the only reason that I want God to call me to ministry leadership and the only reason I believe he is calling me is because it will give me a greater opportunity to love him and to love people on his behalf, then you've found the right reason. Now, I've described these five discernment points as stars on a constellation. Inner peace, confirmation from others, effectiveness in ministry, satisfaction or joy in ministry, and realistic expectations are right reasons for wanting to follow God's call. Imagine these five points of light, if you will, on a constellation, and they're glowing at different in levels of intensity. Remember, this is not a checklist. You don't have to have all five. You don't have to have three or four out of five. You don't have to have all five on a scale of one to five, all grading out of five. It doesn't work that way. Instead, you want to look at the constellation and say, as I consider all five of these aspects of discerning God's call, how am I experiencing each one of them? And for some of you, one or two of these may be glowing very brightly. You may say, well, I have a very profound sense of inner peace, a strong inner confidence that God is calling me, and that's really confirmed in my life by what other people say about me, and those two things are overwhelmingly strong. Well, the other three, not so much. I see them a little bit, but not so much, but these other two are so strong, I'm certain that God is calling me. Or you might say, well, for me, it's the joy or satisfaction that I have in ministry, and it's the effectiveness that I have in it. When I'm doing that, I'm more effective than anything else I've ever tried. So I discern from my satisfaction, my joy, and my effectiveness that God really is calling me to do this. So it's not a matter of having all five in perfect order. It's a matter of looking at these five points and saying, are there some of them that are so strong in my life that they become convincing points of discernment for me that I know God is calling me? And as you consider the ways God calls, sudden experience, reason, decision, prompting of others. You can take these five discernment points and apply them in any of those three ways to discern if that's really happening to you and if it's a legitimate spiritual experience that you could then label God's call. Well, these discernment points help us to work through a spiritual experience. Remember, there's no checklist, there's no spreadsheet. Ultimately, you have to find God's call by understanding what he's doing in your life in a profound spiritual sense and then make a commitment to following that as best you can because you've determined that God really is calling you. Well, thanks for joining me on the podcast and thanks for listening to all three of these sessions on God's call. 
If you need more help, my little book, Is God Calling Me?, is a great resource, and I would be glad to answer any questions you send me by email or by other means just to continue the dialogue of what it means to respond to God's call.